Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm the teaching pastor here at Urban Village Church. If you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she and her. And we are so glad to be here today to talk a little bit about the names of God. Um, and before we talk about the names of God, we want to let you know the names of us, how we call ourselves. And so I would invite, uh, we'll go in a circle. Let's start with Juan Pablo to share with you who we are. Hi, my name is Juan Pablo, uh, pronouns are he, him, and I am the church plant resident for Urban Village Church. I'm Emily McGinley. Uh, you can talk about me using the pronouns she, her, and hers, and I serve as the executive pastor. I'm Christian Kuhn. I am the pastor of Emerging Ministries at Urban Village and also pastor of River Forest United Methodist Church, and my pronouns are he, him, his. So welcome, everyone. We're so glad you're here. You just heard a few scriptures read. One, the first time that it says that people in the Bible call upon the name of the Lord. One of the first public acts of worship um, and words that we say almost every week in the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name. But what you didn't hear is the hundreds and hundreds of places in the Bible where God is called different names and the thousands and billions more in our own lives where God is called different names, which is what our sermon series this January is gonna be all about the different names we use for God and how they change how we think about who God is and how we think about who we are. And so I wanted to ask everybody first, um, what is a name of God that is particularly meaningful and powerful for you? These days, um, what, the one that sort of resonates the most is Elohim, which uh, shows up um, particularly in the creation stories. And the thing that strikes me about Elohim, and even the first time I, I heard it and sort of undid, you know, entered into the Hebrew, um, is that Elohim, the the suffix him is, um, is a plural suffix. And you actually see that borne out um, in uh, Genesis 1, um, or Genesis 2, sorry, uh, where, <laughs> where God says, let us make a man in our image or a human in our image. And um, probably a lot of folks never kind of caught that, that it says us, but it's an indication, right, that somehow God is a counsel unto God's self right? Which is, I think, a little bit scandalous if you're, um, if you think of yourself as being um, someone who worships God in singular, um, even though our tradition is plural, right? That there is um, Godhead, Son, and um, uh, Spirit. Um, and I love this idea because certainly, you know, when I think about our, uh, the, our practices at Urban Village, um, among leadership, um, our values, um, anti-racist values of collaboration and cooperation, that, um, that there is this tension, right, that, ha that exists between these three embodiments, lenses, understandings of what it means to be in relationship um, and co-creative relationship with humanity, that the spirit um, is engages chaos um, a little bit more to kind of um, catalyze something. Um, whereas uh, Jesus um, uh, is deeply uh, close to our enfleshed experiences and God is sort of the, the, the overarching sort of holder of all that exists. And, um, and all of those are, are one and yet they are distinct. Um, and I, I just, I love the, the, that, um, that in the, the most ancient earliest stories of um, the Christian tradition, that the most profound and powerful creative work happens not just by one being, but by a, a kind of 
trifold being that uh, probably lives in tension with itself um, as it tries to grapple with competing truths and realities um, that need to be considered. I think this was an interesting question for me to reflect on. And in recent years, I've been really struck, not necessarily by name of God, but just the characteristics of God that speak to me the most. And for me, in recent years, it's been a, for a guide uh, and, and leader and one who shows me a, a particular path or journey to take. And so that kind of sent me down various rabbit holes in the scriptures to find what's a, an image that encapsulates that for me. And I ended up with the pretty famous saying that Jesus mentions in John 14, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That verse, that's John 14, 6, I think people tend to focus on the second half of that verse because it talks about no one comes to the Father except through me. And we get into, which were good conversations to talk about the exclusive nature of, of God and who God is and how we approach God. But I, I don't want to lose the first half of this verse, too, and this whole notion of way and and Jesus as, as way. And so in some of my research, I discovered that the, the word is used in the scripture as a Greek word meaning hadas, which means uh, path or way, but it also means road. Actually in the message translation of this passage, it says, Jesus says, I am the road. Uh, and so I like that notion of that Jesus is a pathway for us, that Jesus is a journey for us, but that Jesus is also the path the journey. It's not just about getting to a place, but it's also on the way to that place. And that encapsulates who God is. And so I found that really helpful for me in my daily wanting guidance and direction in my own life. Plus my family's big fans of the Mandalorian. And so it gives me a chance just to say, this is the way. Uh, and then I can drop that in <laughs> talking to my son about you know who Jesus is. So I was going to say, Oh, good. <laughs> oh, just that was something that was so interesting about reading all of these names because folks are going to hear more about them throughout the month is how many of them are concrete and infrastructural, like dwelling, road, house, fence. And it made me think like, what, what are the versions of today, right? Like God is my airplane, my cart, my car, my thing that brings me places, my concrete house and home that I live in. It's, these images are beautiful and they're like lived, right? They're about the stuff you encounter every day. And I think a lot of us maybe need a little more flavor of that in our own prayer lives. Um, yeah, but Juan Pablo, what's your fave? Um, I like Yahweh. Uh, and mostly because in Spanish, we say Señor for Lord. And Señor has a kind of different context that you can use it in Spanish versus English. Uh, and Señor... Uh, it's a form of, yes, Lord, uh, royalty, but it's also a form of, of honor. So let's say you're, you're going to introduce your teacher, you would say Senora Maestra um, or Senor Policia. Um, and in the Bible, it does that. It'll say Senor Creator, Elohim, Senor. Uh, and so it's... it's uh, it's a way of having this relationship with God. And, and in the New Testament, when Jesus is teaching prayer, um, for me, when, when Jesus says that kingdom come, then the word Senor or the word Lord changes um, what I see as a royalty. Whereas 
before I thought about this God that hovers over us um, on a throne. And there's a lot of visuals for that. Um, and now turned and flipped upside down. Um, and the kingdom coming, the kingdom come is totally different. And Senor takes on, and Lord and Yahweh takes on this new um, meaning where God says, um, I want you to know my name. It's different than what you thought it was. Mm. Um, and so it becomes something beautiful. And that, that to hallow God's name is for the kingdom to become, right? It's, it's not to like, to be extra fancy, to say something extra nice, but that the two are so related. I love that. Thank you for that. I'll say one that um, when I pray, I most often just use the word God. Like that's the name that I use. That's the pronoun that I use from the, from the beginning of praying, really. There's something about that that keeps, I both feel very close to God and I'm very aware of the ways in which like God is God and not me. God is this like unknowable, ineffable power and presence of creation. And so I try and kind of remind myself of that by having this one word that I use. Um, but the one, then the one that knocked me out as I was looking at all these names of God is sort of the opposite, which is Hagar, um, who Abram and Sarai have enslaved, right? And used as um, a body for their purpose. She is one of the most profoundly oppressed people in the early Bible, um, victimized by people who are supposed to be the heroes of the story. She runs from them and she's in the desert and about to die. And an angel appears to her to bring her water and make these promises that from her will come Ishmael, love, protection, family, a new nation that she will have her own life made, like basically a whole nation made out of the failure of the people who are supposed to follow God. And after that happens, she says, God, you are the God who sees me. And it's the only time that name is used. God, you are the God who sees me. And it's so intimate and it's so personal. Um, and so I've been trying that out. What would be different if I prayed to the God who sees me? It's also like vulnerable, all the things I want to confess, all the things I don't do right, right? Like, but the, the God who sees and knows me, how would it change me to know that that's always who God is? So now I'm curious, we've shared who we are now. What are some of the ways you grew up hearing you have to talk about God? Because I know from talking to the congregants, there's often some specific instruction in this area. What were you taught about what to call God? Well, for me, um, in, I, I didn't grow up in a family of faith. Um, and so there was a lot of sort of like, um, God, you don't like, you don't take the Lord's name in vain. You, you, there's like a lot of distance and sort of fear associated, like, just like stay away essentially. Um, but then after I became a Christian in a non-denominational evangelical context, I remember explicitly being told like a prayer is not like legitimate or, um, like fully a prayer unless you pray in Jesus name. Um, and so if you pray and you end your prayer in such a way that you don't say in Jesus name, we pray, 
amen. Um, it, it's like an invalid prayer, so to speak. And, and the, the kind of thinking behind that is that like Jesus is our mediator, right? And there is power in the name of Jesus. And so whatever it is that we are lifting up for God is being stewarded and shepherded by Jesus to go before God. And there's power in that. Um, at this point though, like, you know, as I've grown, um, you know, by my understanding of who and how God takes shape, um, has expanded tremendously and become much more layered and, and complex. But, um, but I still like often end my prayers, you know, in Jesus name, we pray. Um, amen. And, uh, and, and so that's a, um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, say it's it's wrong or it's right i um i just sort of feel like um it was a really interesting kind of concept that i think continues to be somewhat ingrained in me just out of habit and practice yeah i love that i i i um and i think you know again because jesus the word the name means to deliver um i also was brought up that there are two things. It's our Father and in Jesus' name. These two things form your mm -hmm. prayers, and these are the two ways that you think about God, the Father, God, the Son. Um, and But now I, I have this, I don't know, fuller sense. I think now that I'm more fully myself and understanding mm -hmm. um, how God created me the way I am, um, then for me to say in Jesus name, it's to remind myself, remind others of Jesus, the, the deliverer, the one that has delivered me. And so I, I, I don't mind. And I pretty much do end most of my prayers in Jesus name, unless I'm in a hurry and I just say in your name. <laughs> you know uh, who you are. You know, <laughs> and, and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a uh, pretty middle of the road United Methodist Church uh, in small town Iowa, and so I, I had friends who grew up Baptist, for example, and they did what was called I don't know if they still have Awana clubs, and so you know you'd have to memorize Bible verses, and so I think more of a stricter like this is the way it is, and so sometimes I wondered what how would that have changed my faith because we did like for confirmation we memorized the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, but it, I don't remember any like hard and fast rules. But I think on the other hand, what that gave me was some flexibility. And I think a wider space to not be freaked out when mm -hmm. I would use my imagination. I, that's a big component for me in my own spiritual life is using my imagination and getting a sense of what's surrounding me as I have these conversations with Jesus and so on. And so, you know, while I had that kind of, you know, basic upbringing in the United Methodist Church, I also am grateful for the way it kind of gave me the opportunity to explore down the line when my faith started to mature. Yeah, that stuff is so important. I, I like Emily, grew up in a, um, a family of no faith, but my parents had both grown up Christian. And I do remember when I was like seven or eight, I just heard somebody say it and had no idea what I meant. And so I like stubbed my toe and said, Jesus. And my dad said, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And I was like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I, just didn't, I, was like, I don't know what any of those words mean. I don't know what that phrase means. Like you gotta, but for him, like, I think I think it was one of the first times he realized like, oh, if you don't bring a kid to church, they don't know all this stuff. <laughs> um, and, and that is important to me now, but it's, 
that expansiveness, Christian, that that allowed me, right? That when I first started praying, I didn't have any particular way to do it. I would just pray to the person I felt, to the mm. presence I felt in my life, not to these words that were in some way a replacement for the actual presence of God was really liberating and freeing. And, and that's what I hope for all of you, right? Is that these names of God don't shut down who you think God is, but open up the way you can experience the real presence of God in your life. Mm. Um, and you touched on this actually, earlier. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it, it, Throughout this series, I think we'll be talking about, all, and Hannah touched on this, the numerous names of God, but I think there's also freedom to, for us to be able to develop our own names as well, mm -hmm. and how we connect uh, to God in that way. When I, um, before I officially became a Christian, um, I was, uh, I spent about seven or eight months reading the Bible. Um, and there's kind of a longer story around that, but, but at one point, uh, because I really didn't, I mean, I just started at the beginning because that's how you're supposed to start reading a book. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I like, you know, you get into like Deuteronomy and numbers and you're like, what I, mm. um, and I, like, I remember, uh, I, d I started a practice of prayer, but I didn't also didn't know how to pray. And so I would say like, God, whoever you are, wherever you are, help me to understand what I'm reading. Um, help it to make sense for me. Amen. Like, and so, um, so I had just this very kind of like, you know, in some ways it's sort of like the, I am God, right. The God that is like, has no name and yet has every name. Um, and, uh, and I, I like kind of instinctively like at a loss of what to call God other than sort of by title God, right? Um, that was sort of the best I could do um, to, it, so it's kind of interesting like hearing you, Hannah, um, say that, that like, oh, that was all, almost like the, the best I could come up with without having any vocabulary to talk about God. Totally. That's well, and that's when people aren't sure how prayer works or if there's a God, that's what I always tell them to do. I say, just start to externalize your internal monologue. Mm -hmm. Say, I don't know mm -hmm. if anything's out there, but if something is, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm feeling. And you'll start to connect to the thing that is both inside and outside of you. Right. Um, and if you don't, you'll have your answer. Right. But I think you will, because I think God actually exists. Right. It's not a bunch of formulas that you'll find her. You'll find him. Um, yeah, that's so powerful. I love that. And I, I will say that's a place where written prayers have been really meaningful to me today is mm -hmm. that they often teach me new names of God and new ways of thinking about God instead of the instinctive ways that I've been doing for decades. Cause I love my instinctive ways, but now that I've been shaped by them, like I need new stuff. So I've been reading a couple prayer books we can put in the comments. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois' Prayers for Dark Folk has been so interesting mm. to read. Um, a really old like St. Teresa sort of medieval prayer book and those all help. Um, as, we as we finish up, I wanted to do one more, which is what is a name of God that has been really challenging for you? One that you like, don't like, don't wanna use or when you first heard it, you were like, nah, not gonna do it. <laughs> I think for me, it was um, <clears throat> mentioning earlier, I think a lot of us, because we grew up with the Lord's Prayer and traditionally, of course, we start off with Our Father. I think I was in seminary for the first time. It was the first mm -hmm. concept of imagining God as feminine, using feminine images for God. And that really took me aback a little bit. You're, Hannah and Wampel, you both have been talking about early Bibles. This was uh, my an early Bible of mine. Uh, actually, Emily, I have here... Um, 
has got a little chart like so here was mine at age 11 starting off coloring in all the you know oh. good, good <laughs> genesis two genesis two looks like you didn't but, get very far but didn't okay. very far. <laughs> <laughs> the judgment <laughs> um, so but then this is the bible that i had in seminary and um uh, and i remember when i first came across feminine or women feminine images of god like in isaiah or in luke and i was so taken aback by that and so i wrote i don't write in my bible a whole lot but i wrote that down just to like to remind myself god is much bigger than i realized and so it took me i'll be i'll be honest it took me a while to get out of that only our father way of seeing who god is and what's interesting as well whenever this has happened to me whenever i've gone on a retreat and the leader asks who are some images of love for you like who in your life personifies love. And whenever I'm in a context like that, it seems like almost every time someone mentions a woman. Uh, and that also helped click in for me to expand who and how I name God. And certainly there are images in scriptures that talk about God as, uh, as, as like a mother hen. Uh, and so that has been an ongoing process for me in, in my own life, but richer in the long run. Yeah. I, I, um... I would say the same thing. And I, I've shared my uh, journey with uh, conversion therapy, um, but th in, in conversion therapy, they, were, they would always try to find um, how I see God and my, my, you know, my natural father. And they, were, they would tie these two things together uh, to say that this is why I was homosexual. Mm. Um, and so God as father always was such a, a tricky place for me. Um, and the same thing happened. I, I never saw God as mother. And until the first time, which was at Urban Village, that I ever heard someone use that uh, description of mother, um, that it kind of, one, made me see God as father in a new way but also beyond that um, and see God as, as mother as well, so. I think, um, you know, having not, having grown up in a faith tradition and having things like really kind of um, implanted in me, so to speak, at a really early age, um, I, uh, my orientation was sort of like, oh, tell me what I should do so that way I can do it right. Um, and, uh, and being in an evangelical context, uh, there was definitely like some rules about like what's right and what's the wrong way to do stuff. Um, but as I've, as I've kind of grown, um, more in my faith and understanding, um, one that I, I sometimes grapple with is, is the name Lord. Um, because even though, um, well, because it feels, you know, like it sort of fits into these, like, um, to use a very uh, seminary word like hierarchy type of um, kingdom oriented um, and all that language is there right but as you said earlier Juan Pablo it's actually all a subversion of 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 earthly kingdom structures right that that it's actually you know what does it mean to be lord in god's kingdom um in which kinship um is the defining order of reality and relationship rather than um than the kind of oppression and domi domination um so I, I still kind of like have to 
have to grapple a little bit with Lord um, because of what it still feels like it's baggaged with, right? Um, but uh, but I also see this that um, that there is a subversive quality that's sort of associated with it that that's intended behind it um, to turn earthly kingdoms upside down, like as you said. Um, so that would probably be the one that um, if I had any kind of real discomfort um, or tension that I lived with um, in it. Uh, Lord would be it. Totally same here, Emily. And in, in the United Methodist ordination process, one of the questions they ask you actually is like, what does the name of Jesus being the Lord mean to you? Like, what hmm. does the Lordship of Jesus Christ mean to you? And so I had to think about it for a very long time. And I have this similar, this scandalous tension that's at the heart of everything Jesus Christ does. Cause when I think about it, I think about what would the modern equivalent be, right? So he's talking to people who actually are being oppressed right now by a King who actually right now have to serve a mm -hmm. Lord. And he's mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to be the King who destroys nations. And so it's like, for us, it's like, I am your president who will destroy nations. I am the CEO who will make businesses no longer exist. And when I think about it that way, I do think like, oh, that does not make me feel good, <laughs> right? Like that, I don't like that. I like to think of Jesus as other, um, but it, it alerts me to the ways in which Jesus is gonna turn my world upside down. Jesus mm. is gonna turn this world upside down. Mm. Any power that I think is natural is not because it's about God's power and God's justice. So mm. I agree, those are like, places of productive tension for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to thank everybody for this conversation. I want to thank you all out here who I'm sure have been commenting and sharing. Please let us know your favorite name of God. Is there a new name of God you're going to try? And in the next few weeks, you'll be hearing more from Chan and D'Angelo about some of their favorite names of God and the ones that they use to pray. And we'll be sharing with each other throughout the month um, different ways to pray in different names. Because at the end of the day, God is the God of many names because God is the one who created us all Amen. and who created the wholeness and the entirety of creation from the stars to your hopes and dreams. Um, and so I hope we can all expand our relationship with the God who is by calling God things that may surprise us. Mm -hmm. And let's accompany one another on that journey. Thanks, everybody. Amen. Amen. Amen.